You know something? No so for you! Come back one year! Yeah, we both have so much in common. We both love soup. Soup's not a meal! You were supposed to buy me a meal! I'm not stopping you from eating! Go ahead and eat, get anything you want! That's a lot of soup! That's a lot of soup! It looks delicious. What's up, everybody? It is Monday, January 31st, coming off of the AFC and NFC championships, a wild weekend in football and a wild weekend in sports. Uh, I am your host, Eric Campbell, joined as always by House Money Houston. How you doing, you savages? What's going on, Eric? What's up, brother? Uh, wild weekend this weekend, man. Um, the games... The Brady news, which we'll get into later, and the saga that continues with ESPN. But uh, just starting things off the bat, Rams-Bengals in the Super Bowl, man. Who thought? You can't script this shit, dude. (laughs) The fucking Bengals are in the Super Bowl. I mean, we were making fun of them on the last podcast on Friday, making fun of Taylor, the coach. I forgot his first name. It's Zach. Uh, So you can see how much I know about him. And like, just saying, I was saying the Chiefs are going to win by over a touchdown, all this shit. And the Bengals fucking did it. They're going to the Super Bowl. Dude, I was a little worried about the Bengals, but dude, to Joe, Joe Burrow out Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes, man. That's what it seemed like, at least. I mean, those third down plays like third and six in the fourth quarter on their third to last drive was one where he rolls out left and just scrambles for the first down when all else fails. It happened two or three times on third down over the course of the game, and just every time they needed a play, if Burrow had to do it himself, he did. He was incredible. He was, man. When he broke that that tackle, I think it was Chris Jones or one of the lines. Yeah, Chris Jones. He broke him like twice in one play, and it's like, oh, my God. You know, I think we might have alluded to it last week, but the Bengals have that Cinderella team feel. Team of destiny, yep. And I mean, in professional sports, like it's not the NCAA tournament, you know, it's professional football. And for a team to just ride that momentum and, you know, all all credit to Joe Burrow. I I was going to text you over the weekend, like, I think I'm in love. Joe Burrow is like, he is, he is that guy, man. When he showed up to that game wearing, quite possibly the coldest fit I've seen uh, since the 1800s. I mean, this guy walked in and his dick grew four inches over the course of getting off the bus to walking in the building. You texted me the picture. I was like, I'm nervous, man. Like I'm nervous. I bet on the chiefs. I'm nervous right now. Like it is. He looked like he was ready to set the world on fire. And then he did Uh, getting into the game. I mean, they were down 21 to three in this game. This game was over. I mean, it looked like the Chiefs were just going to roll in the first half. And then the Bengals get that touchdown, make it 21-10. But even then, I'm not feeling bad because the Chiefs go right down the field with, like, no time left in the half and get into touchdown range. You know, eight yards to go. Then it's fourth, uh, second and goal from the four, third and goal from the three. And they get fourth and goal, and Reed gets a little greedy and and doesn't kick the field goal, goes for the touchdown, which at the time I liked that move because if you're up 21 to 10, sorry, 28 to 10, you're in a great spot. 
but uh, it came back to bit him in the bite him in the ass because they lost by three. And if they had kicked that field goal, who knows? Maybe maybe the Bengals can't catch him. Yeah, I mean, with that argument, I and like I heard Mahomes told Andy Reid, "Hey, I want one more shot at it." Great. Like I think the play before that, he threw the ball away real early. Yes, should have thrown the ball away early in the second play, and they should have had one second left to kick the field goal. Um, I think it's really on Mahomes that last play, but you know, like they didn't score any points until like way later in the game. Like to have 21 points in the first half and then to only scrounge together a few extra points throughout the rest of the game, like the Chiefs are a better team than that. They know they're a better team than that. I think the Bengals made the adjustment. The defense came out to play. You know, you had Patrick Mahomes throwing interceptions, fumbling the ball. I think this was just like all that momentum. The only thing you needed in this game to handicap was Joe Burrow walking in the stadium with a diamond Nike swoosh around his neck, his yeah. initials on it. Like they just came ready to play. They wanted it more, you know, sad I think, for the Chiefs, but 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 good for the Bengals. Yeah, man. I, I think what really changed the game was at halftime in the first half of the game, the Bengals defense was blitzing and single covering with a single high safety, sometimes double high, but normally single high, telling the Chiefs to throw down field. And it was like the Chiefs were shredding them. It was working. And I was very confused why they did that. And then in the second half, they came out and decided to drop seven, blitz nobody, and let the D-line get pressure. And there were three or four coverage sacks just because, you know, Bengals secondary came to play in the second half. The D-line generated pressure on Mahomes due to the secondary holding in coverage. They flipped the entire game script on defense. I think it really threw the Chiefs off. I mean, Mahomes even said so, that in the first half, there was so much downfield that in the second half, he was looking past his checkdowns, looking for deep plays. And they weren't there because the Bengals took them away. Uh, kudos to the defense uh, and the coaching staff with the Bengals because, you know, this wasn't a great defense all season. And in the playoffs, they've made some really key adjustments they essentially lured the Chiefs in to thinking they'd be able to do what they want to do and lured Mahomes into thinking that. And then in the second half, flipped it all on its head. And, you know, a 17-point comeback? What was it, 18-point comeback in the AFC Championship game to win in Arrowhead? That's huge. And it a lot of the credit should go to Burrow because he played outstanding. But credit to the entire team. Credit to Eli Apple, who looked like horse shit in the first half. And then came out and played in the second half and played really well. Um, the Chiefs' Achilles heel bit him in this game, and that was their red zone offense. There were two, two times they just couldn't punch the ball into the end zone, had to settle for field goals, and that ended up being the game. But if I told you, and I agree with that, if I told you the Chiefs scored 21 points in the first half and only scored three in all of the second half, like, bro, they put up a, a touchdown and three points. Granted, the Bengals might play different. The game might go a little different. But the Chiefs just have to put together more than three points in the second half. That's atrocious. It was fucking terrible. I, I Again, I want to give all the credit almost to the Bengals' defense because they knew what Mahomes did all season. And that was if you got him into a habit where he was taking shots, you could pretty much guarantee he wasn't going to check down. Uh, and he did it again. I, I mean, the, we say throw out the beginning of the year, the Chiefs are playing hot, but all of those problems that reared their head all season, 
came back and bit him. I, I, I heard someone say, I think it was Julian Edelman that said like, as a team, if you have, you know, loose nails in the floorboard sticking out, you might not notice it at the moment, but two, three weeks down the line, you're going to stub your toe. He was dead on the point. I, everything that bit the chiefs in the ass all season came back and reared its head in that second half. And I think a lot of that's due to the way the Bengals played defense and the way they game plan. I don't know if the first half strategy was intentional to play in the second half, you know, and throw them off. But if it was, that's a genius game plan. Uh, and it's up there with some of the best game plans ever presented in the AFC championship game. I'm blown away, man. I, you look at the third down numbers. Chiefs were 6-12. of 12. They were 50% on third down. And the way to beat them is to, to keep them off the field. They still succeeded. The Bengals were 8-14. of 14. They were over 50% on third down. And very close in yards. Chiefs had 375. Bengals had 359. Uh, net pass yards were 243 for the Bengals, 236 for the Chiefs. It was a really close game. Uh, also, credit to Cincy's O-line. They only allowed one sack and their defense generated four. And I don't think any of us thought that would be the narrative coming in was the Cincio line played well. I'd give a lot of that credit to Burrow escaping pressure and creating and making plays, but they still did their job. And it's an unbelievable upset and unbelievable win. You hit the nail on the head, man. I mean, Kansas City early in the year, that's how teams were playing them. They weren't blitzing them. And that showed the game plan for how to beat them. It's, you know, when you blitz Patrick Mahomes, he'll dodge your first rusher. And then because you blitz, they'll have Tyreek Hill with a one-on-one -on -one matchup 40 yards down the field, and that's a touchdown. You know, so if you don't blitz, you drop back. That's how you beat the Chiefs. And Joe Burrow's that guy. I, I can't wait to watch him in two weeks play in L.A. And shit, I don't think he's going to do it, but I haven't thought they were going to do it all the way up until now. So. Yeah, it's like how do you bet against the Bengals at this point? Cause I've done it all, all playoffs and I've lost and it's crazy. Cause they had no business winning this game. And if you're going to say going into the game against the Rams and the Super Bowl that they have no business winning the game, well, they had no business winning this game. They probably had no business winning last week and they did it both times. It's incredible uh, on the chiefs. One thing we said last week was, Hey, Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey really had all the targets. Well, it happened again this week. Kelsey had, uh, 11 targets and Hill had 10 targets and the rest of the chiefs combined for 16 targets total. So that's wild. I, I mean, only one other guy had over three targets and that was Jarek McKinnon. And they essentially were all on screen passes. Uh, you know, the, everything we said about the chiefs all year came true and it was weird because they weren't playing like that, but I, I mean, huge shout out to the Bengals because they, they just played outstanding. Um, perfect football game in the second half. And they could have had more points. I mean, they threw a screen pass in the third quarter to Samaj P. Ryan, ended up having to settle for a field goal. But P. Ryan ran the wrong screen. It was a middle screen, and he ran an outside screen. And I think Romo said it during the broadcast, like it was open for a touchdown. And he just ran the wrong play. And they cut on the sideline cam of Burrow telling him he ran the wrong play. Yep. They score there. They win by even more points. Uh, it's crazy to think about. And Joe Mixon, too. Give credit to him. He yeah. played well. I mean, Mixon ended up going 21 carries, 88 yards, which not super productive, but established the run, especially at the end of the game when they were salting it away on that final drive in overtime. He showed up when he needed to. T. Higgins had a huge game. 
six catches, 103, didn't have a touchdown, but every third down, he was making a big, big play. And uh, they just played outstanding as a team in the second half. I'm still shocked, as you can tell by the way I'm talking about it. Like the Bengals, a team that was, what, plus 10,000 or less, more or less going into the season to make the Super Bowl or in the Super Bowl. Dude, I mean, I, I remember watching a live stream of the game, and it, it, at points during the game, they were like over plus 3,000 on the money line. Like, I, I don't know a lot of books that will give that out, but. Yeah. God damn. They were down 21 to three in this game to Kansas City, and they won. Uh, it's it, it, in- it shows, too. We can't get out of this segment without mentioning it. The overtime rules. Yeah. Well, so, but- Last week, we bitched about it. We said, they're not fair. They're not fair. This week, they were perfectly fair. I, the Chiefs got their chance to get the ball, and they turned it over. Uh, and the Bengals went right down and scored the field goal and won the game. Yeah, it just shows, you know, it sucks. Josh Allen wasn't able to get a chance to, to, to you know, be on the field. But there's three sides to every football team. Yes. And if your defense can't step up and either hold them to a field goal or hold them to a punt, you don't deserve to win the game. No, I agree. I, I totally agree. Because, you know, there, the, the solution floated around there that I like is play a complete another quarter and see who comes out on top. But to say this system is broken, it's completely flawed. It's not. It's not broken. It's not flawed. It, it'll work if your defense plays well and you can play in all three phases of the game, as you just said. And the Bills couldn't last week, and that sucks. Uh, the Bengals did, and the Bengals defense showed up and held the Chiefs to 24 points on the day and three points in the second half. It, it was just wild, man. I, I've seen upsets. I mean, we remember the Giants going to the Super Bowl out of the wild card spot both times. The Steelers did it. Um, that first Seahawks Super Bowl where they just blew out the Broncos, I don't think anyone saw that coming. But this is one of the biggest playoff upsets that I can remember. Uh, the Bengals were not supposed to be here, and yet they're in the Super Bowl. Good for them. And I, I part of me just hopes they win it because I don't know if they'll be able to get back. Oh, they definitely won't. I think this is their shot, man. I really yeah. do. I, I don't even know because you look at everyone saying this right now, so it's not creative, but the quarterbacks in the AFC are wild. I mean, they got to go through Derek Carr and Ryan Tannehill this year to get to KC. They might have to go through Mac Jones and Josh Allen. They might have to go through Justin Herbert and Josh Allen. They might have to go through Aaron Rodgers if he's in Denver. Like, there are a lot of variables in the AFC right now. If they can get the Super Bowl this year, I mean, I I don't know if they'll ever get back, but I think that's enough, man, especially for a franchise never won. Yeah, they almost have to. It's a little bit of that uh, Eagles vibe a little bit. Yep. Where, like, they got there. Now, obviously, the Eagles have a, a pretty long history, even in the early 2000s with NFC Championship games and Super Bowls. But the Eagles aren't going to go back anytime soon. So, No, they're not. Yeah, yeah, they have to win it. I mean, we can get into the next game here shortly, but we'll yeah, see feel, what happens. Good last thing I want to say, feel great for Joe Burrow. Feel great for the city of Cincinnati. Um, honestly feel great for Zach Taylor. Cause now he's going to get some credit. He did have these boys ready to play and had a great game plan. Feel really bad for Andy Reed. I uh, loses another title game. He lost what five with the Eagles. He's lost three now or two, two or three. I got to check this, but I think three, three now with the chiefs. I, 
it sucks for him, man. It's brutal to lose that way. Um, I'd put this one squarely on Mahomes just for, for not taking what the defense was giving him during the second half of that game. But feel bad for Big Andy. I, the Chiefs aren't going anywhere. It's just only going to get harder for them. Kelsey's another year older. He's 32 next season. The O-line is still a question mark for them, even though they did have a few good acquisitions in the offseason, added some youth. The defense is definitely still a question mark. I don't know. It's it, it's uphill from here because, as you saw with the Bengals getting the Super Bowl, the AFC is way more competitive than it was the last three years. Yeah, I'll tell you that. So, correction, they, they won two. The Chiefs won two um, AFC championship games. But yeah, he lost I mean, the the Pats one with the D Ford offsides. And yep, then this one. They beat they beat the Titans, then beat the Bills, lost to the Bengals. Tough loss, man. Like I said, but they'll be it back. We know they'll be back. Bengals are moving on to the Super Bowl and they're gonna play the Los Angeles Rams. In another classic, I mean, every game the last two weeks after a shitty super wild card weekend, every game has been absolutely spectacular. Um, the Rams were down in this game. You know, they were down 10 points entering the fourth. They went 13 nothing in the fourth quarter, came all the way back, beat the Niners. The Niners had every opportunity to win this game. Matt Stafford played pretty well. Nothing crazy, but was 31 of 45, 337, two touchdowns and a pick. That's good enough for 96.2 rating. He was definitely super effective, uh, made the plays when he needed to make it down the stretch. The Rams could not run the ball the entire game, which is what we expected. But the storyline for the Rams, Cooper Cup, 11 receptions, 142, two touchdowns. We knew that was going to happen. Odell had nine catches for 113. He didn't get into the end zone, but this game in particular felt like the biggest, this is why they brought Odell here game. Um, whenever there was a big play, whenever the offense was stalling out, he was open, Stafford was hitting him, and he was running for extra yardage after. Uh, he played great. And on the Niners side, Jimmy G did not play great. He didn't play terrible, but he definitely didn't do enough to win the game. And I mean, we'll I'll get your opinion on this in a minute, but we said the Niners were going to hit him in the mouth and dictate the tempo with the run game and their physicalness. I thought the Rams were the far more physical team in this game. They came out pissing vinegar and hitting people. Um, but it just seemed like the Rams were, were buying away the more physical team in this game. Yeah. It, a gut reaction. You, you have to address Jimmy G, the awful turnover at the end. I mean, yeah. their backs were against the wall. Like, they weren't moving the ball great on that drive at all. So it, you kind of felt that pick six coming. Well, it wasn't a pick six, but might as well. You really, yeah. You really felt that coming. Um, I don't even know where to start with this game. Oh, the wide receiver core is where I think I'm going to start because that shit's just scary. And you look at how bad the, the Bengals uh, defensive backs played early. Granted, they dropped like a few interceptions right in their hands, but God, this wide receiver core is scary. Cam Akers coming back, scary. The offensive production of this team is scary. Um, I, I'm honestly surprised at how how well the 49ers have stayed in these games. Yeah. Like all these games from week 18, maybe even before then, but week 18, then versus the Cowboys, then versus the Packers, then versus the Rams. Like 
they just hang in these games, man. And that's something I said to you last week. Like, they're not really going to outwardly lose the game during the game until the very end, but, like, they just hung in there. Well, they they definitely lost this game. I mean, Jaquaski tart I mean, he's got an interception in his hands, and I'm, I'm getting up, like, game's over. And I was like, wait, he dropped it? Like, he dropped an easy pick right in his lap. That could have sealed the game. San Francisco had an opportunity after the Rams tied it to go down and score and take the lead. They, they just couldn't capitalize on anything. They had six penalties for 54 yards on the day. They were killed by penalties in the second half and they forced the Rams into a lot of third downs. And I hate to harp on third down conversion, but I think it's a really good correlation for who won and lost the game. Rams were 11 for 18 on third down which is a testament almost to San Francisco's defense forcing that many on the other side, San Francisco was three of nine on third down and just couldn't convert in a big moment. Again, I think the Rams were just the more physical team. I mean, that hit on Debo where they threw the flag for hitting a defenseless receiver. Yeah. They took the flag back. It wasn't a penalty and the Rams just brought the wood all game long, whether it was the D line and Donald ripping through double teams, the Rams, offensive line blowing guys up pancake blocks the Rams secondary was hitting hard all day and they wore the 49ers down and I don't think anyone expected the Rams to be the more physical team but they were again if they play like that in the Super Bowl I'm not I refuse to discount since discount Cincinnati anymore but they're going to be really tough to beat dude how about all these games like I, I think it was every single game it, from the divisional round and this round within three points. I know. Wild, like, dude. Wild. Oh, my God. All of them decided by kickers. Like, it's just great. Congrats to the Rams. You know, we never really thought the 49ers were going to be here. They had to win the last game of the season to even get in. So, I mean, good for them. They need to get rid of Jimmy G, obviously. Yeah. What do they do? Hopefully they hang on the Debo, build back their running core. Yeah, go ahead. What do you do with Jimmy G? Because like Trey Lance is not ready to play. And I would be shocked if Trey Lance is even ready to play next year based on what we saw this year. I, he doesn't know how to read a defense yet. I think he has the skill and the, the gifts and the athletic ability and the arm strength. But there were a couple plays during the regular season where he's just skipping over wide open routes to attack deep into double coverage and, if he's going to be doing that, Shanahan's not going to play him. Jimmy G's under contract. I, I don't know what they do. It's a tough situation because Jimmy G did play all right the last two weeks. He played all right at times in this game where in the first half, there was a point where Jimmy G was rolling. The offense was rolling. They were running the ball and Cam Akers was out and Higby was out for the Rams. And it remains to be seen whether Higby will play in the Super Bowl, uh, which is huge for the Rams. But you know, the Rams looked down and out and Jimmy G couldn't get shit going in the second half, especially on third down it. I don't know what they do at quarterback um, unless they go out and get someone, but I don't think they're going to spend capital on a player when they just drafted a guy, number two, number three, overall, I forget where he went, but we'll see. It, they're in a weird spot where they have a team to win now, but they have a quarterback in a rebuilding stage. I don't know how much they gave up. Like, because he, he was acquired in a trade, right? Yeah, they traded up to get that pick. No, I mean, for Jimmy G. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I don't even remember. Probably a second or a third round pick to the Pats. It, it looks like he has 2022 
he's guaranteed or like the cap hit is 26 mil, 27 million. Dude, I don't know. Maybe if you could offload him to the Steelers or someone like. I mean, he's good enough to be a starter in the NFL. The question is, is he good enough to win you a Super Bowl? They might just give him another year because I again, I don't think Trey Lance is ready. And if you get rid of Jimmy G, who else are you going to bring in for one season while Trey Lance is getting ready? That's going to, you know, be good for your franchise. It's going to be better than Jimmy G. Yeah, I don't know, but he's definitely a fucking liability. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Jimmy G is like, you need someone that's going to win you games. Yeah. And, and he can't do that. It doesn't look like he's going to do that. So no. Okay. And on a side note, Shanahan versus McVay, we had talked about it. Two of the best coaches. Shanahan had won six straight against McVay entering this game. Jimmy G had never lost to the Rams as a 49er going into this game. Shanahan punted on fourth and two, tied 17-17 from just outside the 50. They lined up like they were going to go for it. They tried to draw them off sides. You convert that first down and go down and score. They'll probably win the game. So interesting decision by Shanahan late game Shanahan comes around and rears his ugly head again. It's tough to say, Hey, go for a fourth and two in a tie game at a 50 at the 50. But like Matt Gay for the Rams looks still hurt from last week. Uh, that 57, 57 yarder, I think it was that he attempted that he missed right and short did not look like he hit that ball. Well, you're going to have to get 20 yards in that situations situation. If you're the Rams, if you want to guarantee a field goal, it was just, an interesting decision. A hindsight's 2020. We look back and say, how did you not go for it? But if he didn't get it and then the Rams won anyway, we would have been saying, well, why did you go for it? Sometimes gutsy calls with a good team wins games and it didn't happen here. Right on, right on. And honestly, I need to back backtrack a little bit. Jimmy G did get the 49ers to a Super Bowl. Yeah. So I need to not be as blasphemous against that guy, but he also got him to another NFC championship game this year without throwing a touchdown pass against the Packers, but still got him there. That's kind of the issue. I need more offensive production, but he did get him to a Super Bowl. So respect where respect is, you know, earned, but I think they should do something different, but I don't get paid. I'm, I'm not the GM. So I don't know. I don't know. I mean, side note at the end of this game, Aaron Donald forcing that, that pick, how angry he was. It, it makes me shit my pants and I'm watching him on TV all the way across the country. And I almost want to turn it off because I'm, I'm that scared of Aaron Donald. Like if, if he's angry and yelling and screaming, you should go over as the other team and apologize to him and, and yeah. ask him what you can do better next time, not to get him angry. Cause he's a terrifying human being. He, he was a monster. The Rams D line got some pressure, but more on Jimmy G. He was clean all day. He only took one sack. Uh, it, it's a tough game to swallow if you're a Niners fan with Jimmy at the quarterback position because the Rams basically said, we're not going to let you run the ball. You're going to have to throw on us, and we're going to play tough and physical. And it worked. It did. It did. And, you know, see the Rams in the Super Bowl, man, hosting it two years in a row. I will say the Bengals will definitely have more fans at the Super Bowl after watching that Niners Rams game where I don't know how big that stadium is, but there were more Niners fans there than Rams and you could hear it on the Rams final drive. Yeah. You got to have a little more pride LA 
I know that you're not a sports town. You got to have a little more pride in your team to allow that to happen. That that's embarrassing. And it's going to happen in the Super Bowl. I, the Bengals are going to travel way better. And even though the Rams are at home, I bet you that that stadium's louder for the Bengals than it is the Rams. I mean, did you hear that parking passes for the game were more expensive than tickets? Because what was it? Because like the NFL had to take up like parking lot space for Super Bowl prep. So they they like didn't have any parking spots. People were selling parking spots outside their house and outside of like the high school a mile and a half away for like 175 to like $400 for a parking space. Jesus Christ. Isn't that fucking insane? No, I mean, this is like, I don't know. I, I saw it on fucking Twitter, but people were selling parking spots for hundreds of dollars. It's crazy. It's absolutely nuts. SoFi Stadium seats 70,000. It's expandable up to 100,000 for big events. The Super Bowl will be expanded up to 100,000, I would assume. 70,000 for a football stadium is huge. Yeah. And they don't have the fans to fill it. And you know what? I'm not shitting on LA as a sports town, but I think I'm going to shit on LA as a sports town because you can't let that happen. That's a crosstown rival, essentially. And they came into your building and took it over. Every time they cut to the crowd, when the Rams were on defense, they would only show a small section of the stadium where Rams fans were sitting. I noticed it after like the third time they did it because there wasn't a section in the stadium that wasn't at least 50, 50, except maybe one or two. I, there were Niners fans everywhere. And you know, in the Super Bowl, it doesn't matter as much, but you're playing a home NFC championship game. That's a problem. Um, and it'll be a problem for the Rams moving forward. If they have big games at home, I think it's exasperated by the fact they played another California team, but still doesn't matter in the long run. They're going to the Super Bowl. We said earlier, feel great for Joe Burrow. Feel even better for Matt Stafford, man. Overjoyed for him. He deserves it. And he played extremely well throughout this entire postseason. He definitely earned that spot. He did. He did. Good, good for them. It'll be a, <laughs> hopefully it's a great game. I mean, Teams, we know teams are probably going to start a little slow, but uh, can't wait to see what Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase do. Can't wait to see all the wide receivers for the Rams, the defensive line of the Rams. Just what do you do with Odell and Cup? Like, how do you cover both of those guys? That, that's really what run the Rams this game. The Bengals are going to have to figure it out, but uh, it's going to be tough. I don't know. Did you watch the uh, the trophy celebration presentation thing at the end of the game? Not really, but what happened? It was just weird. So the the owner, Cronky, comes up first, and Bradshaw, Terry Bradshaw is presenting the awards. He's talking to him. And then McVeigh is behind him in line. And then behind McVeigh's Stafford, and then behind Stafford's cup. And it's almost like they were standing in line to wait to talk. And then the reporter, when she was interviewing Stafford, was like, you know, what does this mean for you? You finally got to this moment. And Stafford's trying to deflect like, hey, I got here because of my team, which is what you do. And they're asking him all these questions on like, what does this mean for you and you and you? And it was just awkward because like they made it all about Stafford and not about the Rams. And I, I thought it was a really interesting move and uh, kind of off-putting by Fox. That just sounds like some NFL storyline bullshit. I don't know. I don't know what's going on in the back yeah. end, who, who yeah. the producers are, but. And when they were interviewing Burrow, it was just, uh, oh no, it was when they were interviewing Stafford at the end of the game. It was Aaron Andrews. 
Stafford, Aaron Donald comes over and like hugs him and congratulates him because, you know, they have to interview these guys fucking 30 seconds after the game ends. They can't enjoy it at all. And Donald comes over and hugs him. And Aaron Andrews into the microphone just goes, aw. <laughs> Can we chill with the fucking immediately after the post game? We got to interview these guys. Let them celebrate with their teammates for a few minutes and then grab them and talk to them. Let it set in. It happened with Burrow, too, where they're asking him all these big questions. And he's like, I don't know, man. I just won. Like, I don't have an answer for that. We'll see next week. I, I kind of wish some of these guys would just go full Richard Sherman on these people. Oh, yeah. And just be like, what the fuck are you saying right now? Are you kidding me? Or just like go off on him, dude. The amount of times I've had those like hypothetical arguments with a sports reporter in my head, even though yeah. I'll never be in that. Like, I wish they would just snap on some of these reporters. If you try me with a sorry ass receiver like Crabtree, this is the result you're going to get. All time <laughs> soundbite. No, no one else could do that, by the way. Like, no, no one else. Oh, and Aaron Andrews handled that one great. She was like, all right. <laughs> Yeah, dude, her, her just like straight face, like, hmm, okay, yep, keep going. Like, that was perfect. Man. And I love Aaron Andrews. I think she does a great job. I don't know what the fuck happened. The, the audio is hilarious because she's in the middle of talking to Stafford and people just keep coming up to him and hugging him. So the interview keeps getting interrupted. And Donald comes up and she kind of like takes a step off screen and you just hear her go, no. <laughs> Couldn't have written it up any better. And that's one of the guys that everyone said they wanted to get back to the Super Bowl as well as you. Got to be better. But yeah, shout out Rams. We got a Rams-Bengals Super Bowl. Uh, NFL's off this week, even though the Pro Bowl's happening. That doesn't count. Any sporting event where Kirk Cousins is honored as a distinguished guest should not count as a sporting event. But uh, that's this weekend. Who gives a shit? Next weekend's the Super Bowl, baby. L.A., Rams, Bengals. If it's anything like the last two weeks, it's going to be legendary. What a letdown it would be. If the Rams win by like 20, this game's going to suck. Oh, well, dude, well, Bengals tight end got hurt. Um, what, what if they just put Jalen Ramsey on Jamar Chase, have the other secondary guys just float between the like T Higgins and the other wide receiver? I mean, matchup. Yeah, you I'm know? sorry. Yeah, matchups a nightmare. Matchups and exactly what you're saying. Matchups a nightmare for the Bengals because you know they're not going to have time to throw. The offensive line played fine against the Chiefs, but you're playing the Rams and uh, you're going to have to run the ball, which the Bengals are not great at doing. The Rams have corners that can cover, but like we said, how the fuck do you bet against the Bengals? Yeah, and then you got the nerves of like Matt Stafford in a Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah, he's a, a vet at this point, but. Shit's different with that game. Yeah. The other thing, I am keep remembering stuff from the fucking post game, so I'm sorry, but Bradshaw asked him, was he nervous at the end of the game? Like, what the fuck is he going to say? Yeah, I was shitting my pants, man. It was really, really, no. Like, what, what kind of fucking throwaway question is that? I don't know. But, yeah, it, Stafford will probably have those nerves going in. The Rams hold all the cards going into this game. I don't think there's one skill position that, you know, the Bengals are overwhelmingly better. You could argue quarterback, but I, I mean, yeah, Burrow's better than Stafford, but how much better is he than Stafford? Yeah. Uh, and at receiver, even though the Bengals have Chase and Higgins, um, the Rams have Odell and Cooper Cup and Van Jefferson. So, 
and Higby. And well, if Higby plays, because that was his second knee injury in three weeks. Mm. I oh, I don't right. I haven't yep. seen any news come out on that. I know he got an MRI today, but uh, we'll see. I think they're going to be mum on that until Super Bowl week. Yeah. Yo, really quick, we, we can obviously talk about the Super Bowl more next week, but early Super Bowl MVP odds, I'm kind of leaning. I, I, I feel an Odell just to put the waiver out there on it. Okay, what do we do? You, do you see any odds? Where are we at? Let me look it up. I don't hate Odell. I mean, they basically give it, if any quarterback throws for over 250 yards, they're going to give it to the quarterback. That's the established trend, but. Yeah, I think Edelman was the last guy to get it, right? Wide receiver. Yes. The okay, last defensive player to get it was Von Miller. So right. anything's Here possible. We go. This is what we got. Okay. Matt Stafford, minus 120. Burrow, plus 120. Then you got Cooper Cup at plus 500. Jamar Chase, plus 1,000. Odell, plus 1,200. Aaron Donald, plus 1,500. They don't even have Von Miller on there. No, I mean they got a ton of players. Yeah, like, it goes all the way down. Then it's Joe Mixon plus eighteen, Cam Akers plus twenty two hundred, T Higgins plus twenty two hundred, Von Miller plus thirty five hundred. Jeez, like Jalen Ramsey at plus sixty five hundred, but like all these next ones, like Evan McPherson plus nine thousand. Yeah, that's maybe. not happening. That's not happening. ten dollars on that though. To get yeah, but dude, come on, that's not gonna happen. They're not gonna give it to a fucking kicker unless he <laughs> makes only like if it's a field goal fest and he has eight field goals and they don't score a touchdown and win. But I don't know. I if it's if the Bengals win, it'll be Burrow. Even if he throws two hundred yards to Chase. I still feel like it's Burrow regardless, but the, I don't hate Odell as a pick. I really don't. Cause all the money is going to be on Cooper cup. If you're betting on a Rams player, who's not Stafford. Yeah. Zig, when everyone else zags go Odell, that's not a bad choice. I had a parlay in this game of Rams money line over 38 and a half and Odell two or more touchdowns. And that did not hit clearly really hurt my feelings. Yeah, dude, I don't know. I don't even know if we should have a betting segment this week. So I'll just get no. fucking depressed. But dude, we I got had, spit yeah. roasted this week. What what did you what did you have in both games? Well, I mean, obviously, I had like I teased fucking Chiefs down the minus one, so that obviously lost. But that was parlayed with over thirty eight in the second game, which also lost. But because I lost in the Chiefs game and I just needed action on the second game, I did like. Rams plus two and a half. I teased that through zero, which you shouldn't do. And then over like 40 or 38 again. So like I needed that interception on the very last play to be a pick six. Yeah. Yeah. And and they were right there too. Like, bro, if he just goes to the outside towards the sideline and just like gets it in there, dude, I am such a happy camper, but he fucking didn't. And then he just, they just needed out. I was like, no, Pass the ball to get score another touchdown, score another touchdown, but they didn't. So is what it is. I had uh the over in the Chiefs game at 50 and a half, which hit. I had the Chiefs minus seven and a half, which did not hit. That was tough because the whole time I'm watching, I'm like, okay, the Chiefs are gonna kick a field goal here or score a touchdown when they were on the last drive. I'm like, I guess they just need like a pick six. And that's all I can hope for. Cause if it goes to overtime, it's only a six point win. And then they fucking lost. So uh, that went kaput. And then 
I had a Rams, the Rams parlay I just said, which clearly didn't hit either. And it was a rough, it's been a rough playoffs betting for your boy. So we'll see. I, I'm not going to get into it until we do the Super Bowl pregame pod. That'll be during Super Bowl week, but I guess we're, I'm leaning Rams, but I got to really dig into it because I, I can't let the Bengals just take my money all season. Yeah, dude, I'd, I would play some money on some COVID, uh, you know, positive tests in that week leading to the Super Bowl to really shift some stuff. So okay. we'll see. Okay. We'll, yeah. we'll have to yeah. wait. All right, man. Well, hey, like I said, Rams Bengals Super Bowl. We'll talk about that Super Bowl week. Other things from the weekend in sports. Rafael Nadal won the Australian Open, his 21st Grand Slam. That gives him the most all time. Uh, that's all I got on tennis. You got anything Dude, to add? That's actually fucking insane. Like, I'm, I was the biggest Federer guy growing up, would go down to the beach the summer of Wimbledon, would watch it with my grandparents, you know, just a, a good old time. Federer was the best at Wimbledon when I was growing up, has like 11 or some crazy number at Wimbledon. When I saw this on the outline, that Nadal now has his, has the most all time. That's so surprising to me because I thought either Djokovic already had it by a lot. You know, I, I thought he already had the most, but apparently he doesn't. The all fact th- that all Nad- three were tied with twenty. Can Dude, go up the fact that Nadal, out of those three guys, is the person that ends up having the most. Now, obviously, it's not the end of all their careers, but I, I would say Federer is probably done like if you said at the end of their careers and the doll had more than federer 10 years ago or five years ago you would have been fucking crazy <sighs> good for him man the spaniard the clay court god i i, I love mean, that you're bringing the wood on tennis right now because i don't know fucking shit about tennis well, well i mean i mean Djokovic probably would have won if he was allowed in the country but we we, we know how that played out but <laughs> if you're gonna be a dick about it it's not gonna help like, it's, it's not going to help you in the situation. Yeah, I mean, I'm not really a huge fan of Djokovic, but in, in, in three years, he'll have the most Grand Slam titles. So, yeah, Nadal should enjoy this for now, but, you know, we can probably all see how it's going to shake out. Yeah, man. Um, moving on to a little bit of football. The Giants hired Brian Dable, Bill's offensive coordinator, think that's a fantastic hire really smart really good coach was with the pats went to the bills had their offense rolling had them playing great all season schemed really well for josh allen one thing i want to get in front of is all the giants fans and i live with one shout out uh my roommate christian they're gonna say that daniel jones is gonna be the next josh allen because of the coaching no fucking way have you watched daniel jones play a game of football like he's not josh allen could he be better sure is he going to be Josh Allen? Fuck no. Um, but we'll see that the Giants are four or five years away from competing for anything. So we'll see what he can build there. I'll tell you, I'm kind of terrified that the Packers over the next like 10 to 15 years are just going to be like the Giants <laughs> level of mediocrity in the NFL. That would be awesome. That, that just saying that gets my balls hard, but, uh, I don't think that's going to happen, buddy. I think you're safe. But like Jordan Love, like doesn't that like doesn't the whole thing just give you vibes of like yeah oh, after like, after 
Brett Favre when they had Donald Driver and Greg Jennings getting older and all oh, this aging rot. It was all supposed to fall apart, and then they just like won a Super Bowl a few years later. So I, I, I want to believe it, but if I get too far ahead of myself right now, I'm gonna get too excited and it's gonna burn me. So I've learned with the Packers to expect them to be in the Super Bowl every year and then be pleasantly surprised when they lose in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, but. All right. I had to hijack it a little bit with some Packers talk. No, but. please hijack it anytime because they're going to be looking for an offensive coordinator. Speaking of offensive coordinators, the Panthers. Great segue. Yeah, thank you. Uh, the fucking Panthers went out and hired Ben McAdoo as their offensive coordinator. I'm a Matt Rule guy. We went to Temple. Shout out Al's. We the T. Um, what the fuck are the Panthers doing? Did they have they not watched football in five to ten years? Like, why did they hire Ben McAdoo as their offensive coordinator? Do you get what's going on here? Like, what what are they doing? How did they make this hire? I mean, does he have ties with Rule or something? I don't think so. I, how could he? Bruh, he I, I mean, I'll be honest; it doesn't make sense to me at all. But I like I've never seen how these guys interview for these jobs like what are they doing I, I don't get this hire at all um the Panthers are clearly floundering as an organization it's it's sad to see because you're gonna hire Ben McAdoo and pair him with Sam Darnold because they picked up they, a day after the season Matt Rule announced that they were picking up Sam Darnold's option didn't even give it time to breathe like I, I like Matt Rule but he's throwing all this opportunity right down the shitter and, and clogging the toilet, man. It's, it's a dumpster fire. I mean, good luck. I mean, they don't have a quarterback either. Like, fuck. Yeah, it's going to be rough for the Panthers. But I mean, they, we'll had a, they had a terrible offensive coordinator hire. Um, but the Raiders hired Josh McDaniels as their head coach. Kind of out of nowhere. He hadn't heard a lot of buzz about him in the offseason, stayed with the Patriots uh, after that Colts debacle, and then they got Frank Reich. But he's moving on. He's going to the Raiders. I love this move. This is a really sneaky good hire by the Raiders. Uh, changed the whole culture around. I just I love Josh McDaniels. I've said for years, he's the best offensive coordinator in the game, and no one's even close to him. I mean, what he did this year with Mac Jones, who has serious limitations – and uh, a stable of running backs who are filtering in and out, hurt, not hurt, offensive line filtering in and out. They still are a pretty good offense considering what their roster looks like. Uh, I think with the Raiders' weapons, this could be a really, really good hire for them. But do you have a little bit of pause from the last time he left and took a head coaching job? You mean the Broncos? Yeah. Well, they gave him Tim Tebow. <laughs> I mean, he has Derek Carr. Derek Carr's good. Like Derek Carr isn't a top five quarterback, but Derek Carr is a really good quarterback, man. And he doesn't have fucking Tim Tebow. <sighs> Didn't they win a playoff game with Tim Tebow? They beat the Steelers. Yeah. So like, I mean, I don't know. I'm gonna give him credit for that. Tim Tebow was like after that Broncos team, he could not stay on a roster, let alone start a game. So I, I'll give him credit. I, I Also, that was, 10 years ago almost now he's been with the Pats a while that offense has been great I don't know I think it's a really good hire he seems I, he has to know what he's doing by now from watching the goat Bill Belichick and yeah you know, the narrative that Belichick coaches don't do well when they go other places is true they don't
but I think McDaniels could succeed here. It's going to be a brutal division, especially if the Broncos get Rodgers, which is all the buzz. Um, that would be that division would have Carr, Mahomes, Herbert, and then if the Broncos get Rodgers, it's Rodgers. But the Broncos are going to get someone at least decent. That's a murderer's row. So he has his work cut out for him. But we'll see, man. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, my Vikings, exciting news here. They talked to Jim Harbaugh, and apparently there's mutual interest in Jim Harbaugh joining the Vikings as their head coach. This is going to go one of two ways. The Vikings are going to hire Jim Harbaugh and then win five straight Super Bowls, and I'm going to ascend into the astral plane. Or the Vikings are going to wait for Jim Harbaugh, only for him to turn them down and then not be able to hire a single coach and get stuck with some asshole. Uh, I'm, I'm leaning situation number two is what's going to happen, but uh, if they get Jim Harbaugh, I'm going to be insufferable. I, you're not going to want to podcast with me. No one's going to want to see me. Um, I might get his face printed on a T-shirt. I might get his face tattooed on my cock shaft. I, I need this, dude. I, it's been so long since we have a head coach that didn't you know, shit all over himself in a big situation. But to have Harbaugh talking shit, leading the boys, getting them riled up, he's not going to keep Kirk Cousins. Are you fucking kidding me? Like, <laughs> Kirk Cousins is going to play for that guy? I'm getting ahead of myself talking like he's going to be the coach, but if they get him, man, look out. We're, we're coming. Dude, I don't, I don't know what it is. Man. I don't know if I give a fuck about any coaches in football outside of like Bill Belichick and Nick Saban. Like, like especially at the pro level, like the players still have to go out there and play. Yeah. Like I, I understand like when you look at the, I don't know, the Joe judges or like all these people that the Jets and the Vikings hire, like, or, I mean, group, the, did you just group the Vikings in with the Jets? And no, the Giants? no, I, I said the Jets and the Giants. That's what I meant to say. All right. Cause I was about to get really upset because we're no, bad. No. We're bad. Okay. We're not that fucking bad, but you, you even look at uh urban Meyer, like granted yeah. he had a bunch of controversy, but like it, it's different because in college, the boys have to do what you say. In the NFL, if they don't like you, if they don't like your attitude, they don't give a fuck. Granted, he did go to the Super Bowl, lost to the Ravens, lost to his brother, you know, did well when he was on the 49ers. He just beat Ohio State. But, like, players still got to play, man. If you're not drafting the right guys, if you don't have the right personnel, like it doesn't really matter how good your coach is, in my opinion. I, I don't necessarily disagree. I think game plan comes in huge, but that's more of a staff thing than just one guy. The one thing I like about Harbaugh is his players love him. They'll take a bullet for him. The opposite of Mike Zimmer. And he's like a piss and vinegar. Get your, get your cock hard before the game run through a brick wall type of guy. And I think coming off of Zimmer, that's exactly what the Vikings need. Cause if you can motivate this roster, and maybe get a quarterback in that doesn't piss down his leg in big situations, they can compete for a playoff spot. I'm not going to say a Super Bowl, but there's talent in Minnesota all over the roster. Defense, not as much anymore, but, you know, Daniel Hunter just needs to play a fucking season and he'll be great again. Eric Kendricks is a great player. Anthony Barr is a great player. Patrick Peterson had an okay year and they have him for another year now. So like there's opportunity. They have a good GM in place. 
um, Mensa, the new GM, has ties. He was in San Francisco's front office in 13 and 14 when Harbaugh was there. It's a move-the-needle coaching hire for me, and that's why I like it. Because yeah. odds are they hire some non-starter, um, random guy I've never heard of, and then he's either okay at best or bad. You hire Jim Harbaugh, there's hype, and Jim Harbaugh has succeeded everywhere he's gone. You can hate on him at Michigan for only beating Ohio State once, but Ohio State is leaps and bounds ahead of Michigan as a football program. And he's took that Michigan program to the playoff. I I mean, Michigan was dead before he got there. They were a five-win team a year. And that's why I think he might leave. I I really do, because he took them to the playoff. He saw how far he can get playing SEC teams. He wants no fucking part of that, man. He did his thing for Michigan. If he were to leave and come to the Vikings, that would be huge. I, I still think it's it's kind of uh, a long shot, but apparently there's mutual interest. I know they're interviewing a few guys in second rounds of interviews, so I'm interested to see what they do, but I, I really hope it's horrible. I mean, I, it'll make the Vikings-Packers games a lot more interesting. Oh, so. yeah. And I want nothing more than to yell at Harbaugh through my TV. Shut That's the fair. fuck up, Harbaugh. Sit the fuck down. I mean, him and Jim Schwartz on that handshake is all time. You know what I'm talking about? When Schwartz was yep. the Lions coach and they just went over and shook the hardest handshake ever. And I guarantee you Schwartz told him to go fuck himself. That was all <laughs> time, dude. Yes. Uh, but yeah, last football note, Tom Brady retired and then he didn't retire. And then Adam Schefter refused to acknowledge that he didn't retire. And then ESPN ran like four segments on Sunday in their pregame talking about Brady's illustrious career being over. I don't know what the fuck's going on over at ESPN, but uh, I think it's about time that they get absolutely no credit when they report anything. Because, yeah, it wasn't just ESPN. Everyone reported that Brady was retiring. I even thought it was true. I mean, our fantasy football group chat blew up. We all were like Brady, Brady. And I already started a blog on it. You know, it it just goes to show like, unless it comes out of his mouth, it really can't be trusted. And fucking Adam Schefter refusing to back down. Like, dude, you got the report wrong. Shut the fuck up and go away. And all of ESPN, do yourself a favor, excluding Scott Van Pelt and um, Stanford Steve. They're legends. (laughs) All of you go fuck yourselves. Okay, I've watched a lot of ESPN over the weekend because we've been watching it to recap the games. Sports Center is just an embarrassment. I don't know what the fuck it is. I had this this woman was talking today about like their bets of the night. She's an anchor on Sports Center. Why are you giving out betting picks? Like I get that everyone's doing it, but like you're not in the trenches. You're not living this shit, dog. What the fuck is going on at that network? And running segments on Brady retiring if it's not confirmed is misinformation. And I get that it's a different level because it's sports, but you're lying to the public, dude. Shut the fuck up. Apologize you got the report wrong and move on. I mean, where do you start here? Like Sports Center, you brought that up. Dude, I was watching Sports Center on my way, like while waiting for the bus in elementary school. And it was the sickest thing ever. You had all the topics on the left. You knew what they were going to bring up. Like, that was the best. Now it's turned into fucking opinion talk show radio. It's like, no, this is fucking Sports Center. They turn, they turn it into every other MSM fucking news show. I don't know why <clears throat> they won't back down from their stance. Did you hear the report about, like, some bonus that was due to Brady on the 4th? 
I did. If he, re- if he retired, was that like an ESPN thing? I have like no idea how that ties in. I think it's a Bucks thing. I think if he's on uh, the roster by the fourth, he gets a bonus. And listen, Brady still might retire. But what they did was cuck him out of having any enjoyment of the process. They jumped the gun. They reported all this shit. And now when he does retire, he's going to get treated like, you know, Favre did to a lesser extent. Because we already did the whole gush over Brady. And Brady deserves the gush more than anyone else. He is gush worthy, okay? He deserves the most gush. He's the greatest athlete to ever play any sport in the history of time. Okay, he's seven Super Bowls. Say whatever you want about him. Call him a cheater. At the end of the day, he beat your favorite team more than one time, and you can go fuck yourself. Um, I don't know, man. I, it's fucked up. And ESPN, I don't know what the fuck they're doing. We were watching SportsCenter, uh, I think it was Saturday, and this woman's just doing like a rant about Wordle in the middle of Sports Center, like nothing to do with sports. She's just ranting about people posting their Wordle score on Twitter. And I'm like, why? Why? What is this, dude? Where's Berman? I mean, Chris Berman ain't walking through that door. Tony Kornheiser ain't walking through that door, dog. I don't know. They're in trouble. It's a shit network. Bro, fucking Woj leaks NBA draft picks 30 seconds before they're about to fucking say them. Yeah. Dude, shut the fuck up. Just let me watch the goddamn draft and enjoy it, you dick. You fucking dick. No one cares if you have the GM's phone number, bro. This whole, like, exclusive reporter, and this goes past ESPN. Rappaport or Schefter or Woj or Shams. Any of these guys that break news like that, no one gives a fuck if you're first. I care if you're right. So maybe wait a couple minutes and make sure the report's right, dog. Your People's lives are at stake. This isn't the real housewives of New Jersey. This is sports, and these guys are real people, and you're fucking up their lives. I mean, Brady's dad had to come out and say, like, Tom, also, also all-time quote, he referred to him as Tommy, which is just the most Boston thing ever. <laughs> but he's just like, Tommy, Tommy hasn't a dad. And you're like, yeah, man, um, that, that's better. That's a way better source than any asshole that Adam Schefter is talking to that knows Brady. His fucking dad came out and said he hasn't retired. So maybe you should backtrack on that. It's it's a mess. Uh, I don't know why I'm even upset at this point. ESPN's been dead for five years, but, you know, fuck them. Yeah, as soon as they took Barstool Van Talk off, you knew it was downhill from there. Yeah, man. Shout out to the PMT guys. They are <laughs> they're, they're fire flames. We love them. But, yeah. No, you knew when they pivoted to like the Michael and Jamel Sports Center show. That was a bad move. You knew Disney got their anchors in when that happened. You're like, oh, <laughs> where are we going with this, boys? When they got rid of Kurt Schilling. No, that's a joke. Well, we'll I'll get into that when I get into my Hall of Fame rant. But like ESPN, go fuck yourself. Bro, um, Florio two weeks ago tried to say that Rogers was going to sit out the Super Bowl because he didn't want to be COVID tested. All right. It's Florio. Like Florio, and this is, I think there's two buckets of people, right? I personally love Skip Bayless because Skip Bayless doesn't believe 90% of what he says. The way that show goes <laughs> is he sits there and sees what the public is picking and goes, I'm taking the opposite. That's when he says it, but he tries to say it with a straight face. They're saying controversial stuff for clicks. ESPN isn't trying to do that. They're trying to report news, which is hilarious because they've turned into that. I watched the Lakers on Friday night. 
Um, I don't have you watched the Lakers at all this season? Bro, I have not, but Good. I, I Good. know exactly what you're going to talk about, though. It's uh, my least favorite player of all time, the most overrated athlete to ever exist, Russell Westbrook. Um, shout out Skip. That was a Skip reference. Russell Westbrook in the first half of this game made two shots, had a negative 25 plus minus, and was just losing them the game. And I got ready. I'm writing a column. Russell Westbrook is the worst player I've ever seen. He's a disgrace to basketball. And then in the second half, he was insane. Like he took over the game. He had, I think it was four points in the first half and he finished the game with 35 points. He got that plus minus all the way down to minus 11, which is impressive, which was the best on the Lakers starting lineup. Um, he is an infuriating player to watch at the end of this game. So for reference and context, I bet the Lakers live bet when they were down 13 in the second half, just money line thinking this is when they come back and they did come back and they tied the game. Then they went down seven again with about three minutes left. Westbrook hit two threes on consecutive possessions. Both shots looked like they had no fucking shot at going in. And when he shot it, I'm screaming, no, 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 no. And they both went in. Um, he was three of seven from three for the game. Two of those were in the last minute. And then last play of the game, they're down three. It's Westbrook. He shoots another one and he just bricks it line drive off the back of the rim. Uh, horrendous shot for the game. Like I said, he had 35 points, five assists, four rebounds. He's one of those players that he has the triple double numbers. He, people think that that's really impressive and he's this great player. He's a horrible player to play with if you're on a court with anyone else who needs the ball in their hands at any particular time, he's the least efficient scorer I've ever seen. But a bigger note, like they're playing the Hornets. The Hornets didn't play super well. They're all right. The Lakers team is bad. I mean, it's really bad. Carmelo was plus 20 in this game. Plus minus. He played pretty well. And 19. Yeah. Carmelo played Carmelo well. was plus 20. Carmelo played 34 minutes in this game. LeBron and AD both were out. Um, oh, okay. Stanley Johnson played 27 minutes. Deandre Jordan. He's alive. Yes. Played 19 minutes. Kent Bazemore and Trevor Ariza played 13 minutes. Austin Reeves played 27 minutes. Is that the white guy? Yes, it is. <laughs> Austin. <laughs> Austin Reeves missed. Four threes. Pretty much all of them were wide open. I mean, no one around him. And he's bricking them. This Lakers team is bad. And even if LeBron and AD come back, I don't think they have any help on the way. Dwight Howard dressed and didn't play. I watched him with the Sixers last year. He's done. He's not good. And the Sixers actually got Andre Drummond, which was an upgrade over Dwight Howard, which is shocking to say. Malik Monk didn't dress. I think he was on rest for the night. Like I said, LeBron and AD didn't play. But even if LeBron and AD come back, what are the Lakers? Russell Westbrook's going to come off the bench as your backup point guard, and you're going to play AD and LeBron surrounded by Stanley Johnson, Avery Bradley, Carmelo, and Austin Reeves? I don't think that's getting to the playoffs, and I don't think that's winning a championship. And all told, that's not good enough for LeBron the way he's playing at this stage of his career. So... Just my thoughts on watching this Lakers team play for pretty much the first time this season without AD and LeBron. 
And uh, if they're going to rely on Russ as their number three player, good luck, but you're not going anywhere, Lakers. Yeah, dude, I'll tell you what they are. They're three games under 500, ninth in the West. I mean, they're going 500 at, at home during the year. Like, or point, they're not even positive on point differential. Like, they're fucking mediocre, dude. And they have the best basketball player that we've ever witnessed, quote unquote. Like, I mean, I, I respect LeBron for sure, but like, you, you gotta be doing better than that right now. I mean, you got the Grizzlies at three, the Jazz at four, Nuggets at five, Mavericks at six. Bruh, the, the middle of the West is good. Like, let alone beating the Suns or the Warriors if you're the eighth or seventh seed. Like, they're fucked. It, Russell Westbrook this season, because the, the news going into the year was all oh, they got Russ. His per 36 minutes this season, 19.5 points per game, 4.3 turnovers per game, 67% from the line, 30.9% from three on 3.6 attempts a game. 45, 44.5% field goal percentage. That is abhorrent. If you're going to consider yourself a star in the NBA, that's embarrassing. Um, his player efficiency rating PER this season is 15.8. That is the worst in his entire career, except for his rookie season in 08, 09 and OKC. His win shares... 1.8, that's lower than his rookie year in OKC. During his peak, he was a 10, 14, 13, 10, 11, 9 at win shares. He's at 1.8 on this team right now. Offensive box plus minus, negative 0.4. Defensive blocks, box plus minus, negative 0.7. Total box plus minus, negative 0.1. This is not a winning player. And this is not a player you want on your team. And the way his attitude is towards the rest of his teammates in the press, the style of basketball he plays. I watched him on defense in that game. Three times, guy drives to the lane. He just lets him go because he's already passed him. That's acceptable in a pickup game, you know, at, at Temple or just on the streets of Philly or anywhere. That's not acceptable in a professional basketball game. And he's not acceptable as a professional basketball player. And I'm overthinking the Lakers are going to figure it out this year because as long as Russ is on that team, there's no fucking way that they figure it out. So that's what I got on Russ uh, and the Lakers before I have an aneurysm. Uh, uh, it's, it's honestly sad. But... It is sad. It is sad. Still on basketball, though, my 76ers, they got an MVP candidate on their team. His name is Joel Embiid. And Bede, in his last 20 games, has 678 points, 211 rebounds, 90 assists. He's the fifth player to ever do that in a 20-game span. He joins Wilt, Kareem, Oscar Robertson, and my favorite player, Russell Westbrook, as one of five <laughs> players to ever do that in a 20-game stretch. He is carrying the Sixers team. Seth Curry is the number two scoring option, and I love Seth Curry, but that's not going to get it done. The rest of this team is average to above average players scrapping it out every night. And the question remains, are Ben Simmons balls finally going to drop 
Is he finally going to grow up and realize that no one was insulting him? They were simply just asking him to get better as a basketball player and stop spending so much time in his luxury million dollar cars at his $20 million mansion and maybe put some time into playing basketball, which is what he's paid to do. I'm not asking you to be an all-time great basketball player, but what I am asking you to do is show a little bit of effort. In a city like Philadelphia, his style is just not going to work. The Sixers have to flip him for something to capitalize on Embiid's season this year, but Daryl Morey, as we talked about on the last podcast, doesn't really seem like he wants to do that. I don't know what they do. All I do know is Embiid is the MVP if the season ended today. He's unstoppable in the post. He's pulling up from the mid-range after taking the ball up the court. I've never seen a center do this. He plays like a guard. He moves fluidly. He's pulling up. He's taking jump shots. And it might all be for naught, but shout out Joel Embiid because he's been spectacular the last month plus. Keep going, dude. I I have nothing to add in. So, like, what are they going to do with Ben? (sighs) I mean, what do you do with – I mean, now, interesting development yesterday. Bradley Beal and Spencer Dinwiddie. Bradley Beal saying he's not really sure what's going on with the Wizards. There are some guys playing for their next contract, but there's other guys playing to win games. Interesting. Spencer Dinwiddie comes out and says, when I got here, I tried to give a speech in the locker room. I'm paraphrasing here. It's not exact. He was like, I gave a speech in the locker room trying to connect to the guys, and I basically got shot down. Um, I'm interested to see whether that leads to Dinwiddie getting moved or whether Beal is now done with the Wizards. If Beal's done, you jump on that. If they want to make that deal, you get him in here immediately. He is the best fit of any player available. They could move for Dame, but they're going to wait for the offseason until he's healthy then, which makes this year a wash because they're not going to beat anybody with the roster they have. Um, They can make a deal with Atlanta and get Alex Collins plus pieces, but if you think you can get more, Morty's probably going to hold out. I don't know what they do because it's a balance of take what you can get, but also if you can get a star player and put yourself in the championship conversation, then you do it. And B's only got so many years left, so they're kind of in a shitty pitch situation. If Ben would just come and play and take like eight threes, even if he missed all eight, someone's going to trade for him. Like all they want to know is, do you want to play basketball? And Ben doesn't. If he wanted to play basketball, he'd be on the court playing. Cause at the worst, all doc rivers did was say, I don't know what he can, if he can be our starting point guard moving forward. He didn't say not on the team. He said starting point guard and Ben shit his pants and got his period at the same time and got real upset over it. And now he's holding out and he's lying about mental health issues. And for people that actually struggle with mental health, it's downright offensive. I don't know what they're going to do, man. It, it's a nightmare scenario. Unless it's for Beal, I don't see Ben moved at the deadline. I think this drags out over the year and into the summer. What a fucking shame. What a, what a shame to lose all that fucking potential because – I mean, I don't know what's going on with Ben Simmons, but, like, dude, you get paid to play fucking basketball. My whole thing is this. If, if it's mental health, which he's claiming it is, so if you're traded, you don't have mental health issues anymore, how does that change the equation? And that's basically what he's saying. So you're, you're telling on yourself, bro. You're lying to us. And I get it. Philly fans are not easy to play in front of. And they're not an easy fan base to please. And I begged Philly fans back in the summer to take it easy on Ben Simmons because being a dick isn't going to help in this situation. But telling Philly fans not to be uh, illiterate dicks is like telling water not to be wet. 
It's going to happen. And I, I can't even blame him in this one because I'm mad too. And I don't like the guy either. And it, I, he was one of my favorite players and I defended him for years. I was pounding the table, give him time, give him time. I just don't think he likes basketball, man. And I don't think he wants to play. You know, Kobe Bryant was another guy who was uh, a basketball savant, dad who played in the league, spoiled brat coming out of school. The difference was Kobe wanted to be MJ. Kobe wanted to be the greatest player to ever play. All Ben Simmons wants to be is Ben Simmons. He doesn't have that drive. And as long as he only wants to be Ben Simmons, he's never going to be an all-star again. He's never going to be a great basketball player. So he has to make a decision whether he wants to be a man and get better or he wants to sit back and make money. And maybe if he does sit back and make money, I'm not going to blame him because he'll be way richer than I am. But I am going to hold it against him as a Philadelphia 76er. And that's what he is right now still. So, yeah, who knows that that divulged into Ben, but it's really about Joel and he's playing at an MVP level. I hope it works. They got to help him out. They do. They do. Uh, and, and like, like if you right now, what are the odds that, that you guys land uh, James Harden? Honestly, 2%. What is Brooklyn like motivated to trade him? Yeah. What if he doesn't resign next year? So what also like, why would you want Ben Simmons in Brooklyn? What does that add to your team? With, it's, it's detrimental. Yeah. And with all the uncertainty, like you're going to put Ben Simmons and Kyrie in a locker room together. And you think that's <laughs> going to fucking work. You're out of your goddamn mind. They're not trading for Ben. They might trade for Tobias, but they're not giving you Harden. I don't know, man. We'll see. I, I think if you're asking me my gut feeling, this doesn't get sorted out to the summer. The Sixers make the playoffs, win the first round, lose in the second to Miami. That's my prediction. Okay. Uh, the last topic I want to bring up on the day is something that I'm extremely passionate about, and it's the Baseball Hall of Fame. Last week, the Baseball Hall of Fame announced their class for the 2022 ballot. It's just David Ortiz. Doesn't jump off the page that anything's particularly long with for guys. One like, player? One player. One player. Because in baseball, the players. Um, are listed on the ballot. And we had like Justin Morneau was on there this year. Tim Lincecum, Jimmy Rollins, not huge names, but the process for selecting players is players are voted off of by a ballot by either the baseball writers association of America or the veterans committee, which now consists of four subcommittees, each of which considers and votes for candidates from separate eras of baseball. You need 75% of the vote to make the Hall of Fame. The only player who reached that this year was David Ortiz, and he had 77.9. The kicker is three big names were on their last year of eligibility, and those names were Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, and Kurt Schilling. And guess what? They're not going to get in. But how can you tell the history of baseball without Barry Bonds? He's got the most home runs in baseball history. We know that. 762. But he also had 2,935 hits, 2,227 runs scored, 1,996 RBI, 2,558 walks, and 514 stolen bases. He had a career war of 162.7. He's a 14-time All-Star. He won seven MVP awards and 12 Silver Sluggers, eight gold gloves, two batting titles. 
during the early 2000s, he walked more than any player of any era. He walked 1,128 times from 2000 to 2007, 390 intentional walks. He was the most feared hitter in all of baseball. No one could touch him. We all know that he took steroids. The MLB didn't implement drug testing till 2003. In fact, the Players Association blocked legislation in 1999 requiring players to test. How can you blame Bonds if he did something that wasn't illegal? Over half the league was doing it. In 2003, half the league failed the drug test when they implemented it. Bonds oh didn't. Oh, my God. But Are half the serious? league did. Yeah. <laughs> How do you tell the history of baseball without Barry Bonds? Why? Are the baseball writers of America telling me how to feel about Barry Bonds? I'm an adult. I'm a big boy. I can figure it out for myself. Barry Bonds was my favorite player as a kid. I idolized him. He was my childhood idol, my first ever sports idol. I know he cheated, and it hurt me back then, and it hurts me now. But you're going to tell me just because of that that you're going to erase the steroid error from baseball? You're going to act like it didn't happen? I fucking watched it happen. I know it happened. So a kid in 20 years looks it up and he doesn't know who Barry Bonds is. You're skipping 15, 20 years of baseball history. Stop telling me as a writer how to feel. Stop smelling your own farts and let baseball fans decide for ourselves if we want to put an asterisk on people's names. Just a couple more things. Roger Clemens didn't get in. From 1984 to 1992, before steroids took over in baseball. Clemens won 152 of his 354 games. He had a 2.80 ERA. He struck out 1,873 batters. Yeah, he had a career resurgence in 2003. He came out looking beefy and jacked. He wouldn't have pitched into his 40s if he hadn't taken steroids, and we all know he did. The Mitchell Report implicated him and Bonds. I didn't really like Roger Clemens as a kid, I'm going to be honest. He's another guy that you can't tell the story of baseball without. Are you going to throw out 1984 to 1992? Are you going to throw out seven Cy Youngs, 11 All-Stars, two World Series titles, and a World Series MVP? He has a career fucking ERA of 3.12 and a war of 139.2 for his career. He won the Cy Young in 86 and 87 before the steroids. And you're going to tell me he's not worthy to get in? What are we really saying here? Because David Ortiz got in this year, but David Ortiz failed the first drug test in 2003 when they implemented it for steroids. David Ortiz is a cheater. And you're going to tell me that David Ortiz's cheating is okay, but Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds aren't. And I'm sorry, David Ortiz, but Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds are way more important figures in the history of baseball than fucking David Ortiz. And that brings us to the last case. Kurt Schilling. Kurt Schilling was on that 04 Red Sox team with Ortiz. He helped them win that series in game six, the bloody sock game. We all know it. The Red Sox come down from 03 to beat the Yankees in the ALCS. They win their first World Series title in 81 years. Yeah, his numbers don't jump off the page. He had 3,166 strikeouts, 3.46 career ERA. 79.5 war, pitch for 20 seasons. But his postseason stats are shocking. He went 11 and 2 in the postseason with a 2.23 ERA in 133.1 innings and had an 8.1 strikeouts per nine innings in those starts. He won that start, the bloody sock game. 
He won World Series MVP with Arizona in 2001, a team that had Luis Gonzalez hit huge dingers. It had um, Randy Johnson throwing fireballs, the best pitcher in the league. But Schilling still won World Series MVP. And you would think he didn't get in because he took steroids, but that's not the case. Kurt Schilling didn't get in because Kurt Schilling is a Republican. Kurt Schilling's controversial. I'm not going to defend Kurt Schilling. He's an asshole. But some of the things that he said, he backed President Trump when he was running. He made incendiary comments on the Capitol riots, justifying them in 2021. He compared Muslims to Nazis. He said claiming lynching journalists is awesome. He opposed transgender rights. He defended locker room talk, and he perpetuated conspiracy theories surrounding politicians. These aren't great things as a person. But he was fired from ESPN in 2016 for these actions. He's been labeled untouchable by networks. He doesn't work anymore. You don't hear from him. What is Major League Baseball really saying? Because with this process, it doesn't make any sense. Kurt Schilling didn't cheat. You're telling me that he's not in the Hall of Fame because you don't like him. Because you want to be my moral compass. Well, guess what? The Baseball Hall of Fame isn't a moral compass. It's a fucking tourist attraction that's supposed to tell the history of the players that played the game. Not the people, the players. He fits the mold as a player. He's one of the greatest postseason pitchers ever. No one cares if you voted for Trump and no one cares if you voted for Clinton. And absolutely no one fucking cares if you hate Kurt Schilling. I really don't give a flying fuck what your political affiliation is. You're a baseball writer. Act like one. Schilling's performance dictates a spot in the most cherished exhibit in baseball to tell kids the story of baseball. The bloody sock game is in the Hall of Fame with the sock. Kurt Schilling's not mentioned. This is a group of incompetent, entitled, unlikable asshats who think they can tell me how to feel about baseball. All your job is is to put the players into the hall. I don't care what your opinion is. And America shouldn't either. We can't really fix this, but I guess the best thing we can do is devalue the Hall of Fame. Maybe it's time to strip all the votes from all these voters, but I don't know how to fix this. I don't know what the criteria is for selecting players anymore because if David Ortiz is a cheater and Barry Bonds is a cheater and Roger Clemens is a cheater, then how is Ortiz in and they're not? And if you want to argue that Ortiz is a cheater, well, he failed that drug test in 03. He built his whole career off the back of training on steroids. How are you going to tell me that that cheating is any different than Bonds and Clemens? This was a pretty long rant, but the one thing I want to leave you with is as long as we have a group of assholes who put their moral values ahead of the history of baseball, the Hall of Fame means nothing. It means nothing to me, and I don't think it should mean anything to you either. So, like, I'll I'll self-admittedly, I'm not the biggest baseball fan, but I heard, like, Ortiz's was, like, different. Like, it wasn't a performance enhancer. He just failed the test. I don't don't, know. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Like, it could have been drug-related. I'm going to venture to say that they weren't testing them for anything other than performance enhancing drugs in 2003. It's very hard to find info on this because the internet has buried this story because they don't want you to know about it because David Ortiz is a super likable guy. And I like David Ortiz. I'm not shitting on him. I'm just saying if he's a cheater, then how are Bonds and Clemens worse cheaters? And that matters. I don't know, man. Yeah, I don't really. In reality, I think it goes back to an earlier point you said about like everyone was doing it. Yes. You know, if half the league fails, like, I don't know how you, 
you ding a lot of these players unless you repeatedly do it. Like Alex Rodriguez will never probably get in, but I don't think Rodriguez should get in. I was talking to my roommate about this because it's different. Bonds and Clemens took steroids when there was no rule telling them they couldn't. And all the league, yeah. A-Rod got busted in 2013. You can go fuck yourself, A-Rod. You cheated 10 years after the rule was implemented. You knew exactly what you were doing. And A-Rod's high school teammates said he was taking steroids in high school. His whole career was built off cheating. Kurt Schilling didn't cheat, for one. He's a separate case. But Clemens started his career without steroids and won two Cy Youngs. Bond started his career without steroids and was a 300-300 guy. It just doesn't make any sense, man. Dude, especially when you win seven fucking MVPs, that's that might be one of the most absurd stats I've ever heard. Babe Ruth was like a violent alcoholic, and everyone around him hated him. There are <laughs> drug addicts and domestic abusers in the Baseball Hall of Fame. What are you trying to tell me? Like, how do you tell the history of baseball without Barry Bonds? Are we supposed to act like it never fucking happened? Like, I didn't watch him play? Like, when he retired, he was the greatest player to ever play baseball. You don't and, need to put him in a separate yeah. wing of the Hall of Fame. You don't need to put an asterisk over his name. I'm a fucking grown man, bro. I know what he did, and I'm smart enough to realize what he did. So just put his shit in the fucking Hall of Fame and let me decide for myself whether I think he's worthy or not. And then you have these assholes that vote, but they turn in like a blank ballot. Yep. Like, what the fuck is that? No, you have... It should be you have to choose five players or whatever the like thing is. You have to choose players. They're asshats. Every single last one of these voters are asshats. They're entitled I mean, pricks who think that because they write about baseball, they know everything about it, and they're the gatekeepers for it. We talk about gatekeeping as like a funny thing now, but they're gatekeepers of information because 20 years from now, some kid's going to go to the Baseball Hall of Fame and not see Barry Bonds and not know who he is. And whether you like him or not, whether he cheated or not, he's an important part of the history of baseball. And you're telling that kid how to feel about baseball. That's not your fucking job. You're a writer. Okay. Tell the story of baseball all the way through and let me decide what the narrative is. Well, dude, like they said, like the beginning of his career before he ever tested positive, he was already one of the top 25 best players of all time. Yes. You know, like, 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 I never watched him back in the 90s because I wasn't born, but it's just ridiculous that these guys that are probably like 60 or 70 years old are voting on like the MLB Hall of Fame. I don't I just it's baffling. It's head scratching, man. I again, like I said, if you're not going to put bonds in, fine, but don't put fucking Ortiz in. That doesn't make any sense. So I looked up an article on it, granted, written by Boston.com, all right? Yeah. So um, it says, uh, Ortiz never tested positive for any banned substances after the Major League Baseball implemented a formal program starting in 2004. However, he was reportedly one of the players who turned in a positive sample in 2003 Yeah. when, when the league did – uh, confidential survey testing of players as it attempted to get an understanding of the scope of performance enhancing drug usage in the sport. It wasn't until a 2009 New York Times article that Ortiz reportedly reportedly positive that Ortiz's reportedly positive test was revealed and the exact substance he tested 
positive for has never been disclosed. Ortiz maintained over the years that it was an over-the-counter supplement. And then here, here's the best part. MLB Commissioner Rob Manfred also noted in 2016 interview that it was, quote, entirely possible that despite appearing on the list, Ortiz may not have actually tested positive. Yeah, I, A, that's Manfred backtracking and covering it up for a guy who works for his network. He works for the MLB yep. network. Yep. Second, it's also possible that those tests weren't very good back then. I mean, it was the first round of the preliminary tests where they just were trying to figure out what was going on, and that's that over 50%, over 50% of the league tested for it. So, like, I'm not blaming Ortiz. All I'm saying is, Bonds never failed a drug test. All of, and neither did Clemens. All of the evidence is people saying that they saw them take steroids and the fact that Bonds' hat size grew to like a cartoonish amount. And like, yeah, look at him. He took steroids. But like. Bro, they had it in their locker. They did. But <laughs> how can you blame them when it's the Major League Baseball's fault? It's Bud Sealing's exactly. fault that these guys weren't yep. tested. And you're going to tell me that like, yeah, because this guy did something that wasn't against the rules at the time. He doesn't. He didn't break a fucking rule, man. Now, I still think it's wrong that he did it. And I, I'm going to view him differently. Like, I'm still going to consider Hank Aaron the only clean player to hit that many home runs. But. Put him in the fucking Hall of Fame and let me make that decision. It doesn't make any sense. Um, by the way, what you were saying about Bonds. So I, I told you earlier he finished his career with over 500, 514 stolen bases. He, I just had it. Hold on. Okay. So from 1986 to 1997, the back end of that, he's probably taking steroids. He stole 417 of those bases. He had like no steals once he bulked up. Um, it's wild. Like he was right. still a really effective player. He still had seven, 1,750 hits by that point, 1,244 runs scored. He only had 374 home runs by 1997. So if you want to make an argument for Barry Bonds, you know, quote unquote clean, at that point, he's got two MVPs and he's got, over 1,700 hits, over 400 steals, and over 1,000 RBI. He's still a fringe Hall of Fame guy. And by the way, I said two MVPs. He had three MVPs. He won it in 1990, 91, and 92. And if you look at pictures of him from back then, he's not like a big dude. So I, I don't know. This, this whole th process and reading about it got me really, really fired up. If you want to read a more detailed rant, you can go to www.goodsoup.blog. I have a whole write-up where I provide the sources for all the stats and you can make the decision for yourself. There's definitely more on, on shilling on that because I don't want to piss people off with the shilling stuff, but they're not letting him in because they don't like him. It, and they it's don't a whole character clause, dude. Like with all these Hall of Fames, like I don't think character clause should be a thing. How good were you in between the lines? He didn't fucking murder anybody, bro. He's not OJ. He just liked Donald Trump. Yeah, yeah, he makes asshole comments, but like, what are we doing? Like, I get it. I, I get that we're all angry over that whole situation that happened, but like, that did not change him as a baseball player. And when he played, his teammates loved him. This has all happened since he played baseball. None of this was going on when he was playing. 
He's arguably the greatest postseason pitcher ever. I, I just don't get it, man. I don't get what the fucking criteria is. And I don't get why some asshole sitting behind a computer doing exactly what I'm doing right now gets to tell me why this guy doesn't deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. It's not your job. You don't get to tell me how to feel about a guy. I get to decide that for myself. If his stats are good enough, put him in the fucking Hall of Fame and shut up about it. Right on, dude. Right on. Well, you got anything else, dog? <laughs> Honestly, I would say, like, all this Barry Bond stuff reminds me of, like, uh, the fucking bike, bicycle guy. Lance Armstrong. Yeah. Like, I, I heard something crazy the other day. It was like, if you go back to the Tour de France where Lance Armstrong tested positive, like, the next guy that didn't test positive finished, like, 70th. It was it, it, maybe not 70th, but it was some it was crazy far down the list of like yeah. the rankings. And it's like they were all doing the testosterone shit. Yeah, it's, it's like the same thing in the, in the MLB. If half the guys are doing it like. God, like like this is their livelihood on the line. You know, I they mean, have to, they have to perform. And if everyone's doing it, you, you just got to do it. And if you're telling me right now that all these guys still aren't do- like if NF- you're going to tell me NFL players aren't taking performance enhancing drugs, UFC fighters aren't hell. Yeah, they are. It's just shit. They don't have tests for yet. Cause what we often forget is you need a test to be able to identify a drug, but if it's a new drug and you don't have a test for it, shout out, um, John Jones, you could take as much steroids as you want and get away with it. And all the UFC fighters are doing it. I'm not singling out John Jones. John Jones, in my opinion, is a cheater. But, like, they're all doing it, and they're all still taking it. Bro, and LeBron. they're doing it in football. Because if you're telling me those guys, like, as big and strong as they are, that that's all natural, you're fucking crazy, man. They just did shit they don't have tests for yet. They're all still doing it. And we're going to figure this out. And in 20 years, we're going to look back and go, why the fuck is Barry Bonds not in the Hall of Fame? Because take the star- take all yep. the home runs away. He's still a top five player ever. I don't know. doesn't make any sense. I mean, I, I might get hate for this, but like LeBron too. The guy's 30-something yeah. years old. Like, No. He, he spends millions of dollars a year on his body, and you think a portion of that isn't going into R&D for supplements? Totally agree. Totally agree, dude. I, I think LeBron's on stuff. Now, I'm not saying that to devalue LeBron or criticize him. He might be doing stuff completely that's legal, stuff for recovery. Let them all take steroids. Why do you give a fuck? Why? So we can't really, like with baseball, the argument is, well, we can't compare Barry Bonds to Babe Ruth. Who the fuck was comparing Barry Bonds to Babe Ruth? Babe Ruth ate hot dogs and drank beer during the games. He ain't Barry Bonds, dog. Who was even comparing Barry Bonds to like a guy who played in the 70s? Like, uh, who was comparing Barry Bonds to Johnny Bench? You know, those guys can live in their own error. We don't have to compare guys across errors, man. Just let them all do it if it's safe and stop with the fucking gatekeeping bullshit in all the sports, man, but especially baseball. Yeah. If on the steroid debate, if you like, I think you could do steroids as long as it's not like, physical like ufc i don't know if i'd be comfortable watching those guys just like you could probably take somebody's head off if you're like a bat i mean you're dude you're watching it they're all on they're all on (laughs) they're they're literally all on shit 
I'm not kidding. Yeah. Like, they're all on shit. It's shit they can't test for. But but if, if they were all like Brock Lesnar size, <laughs> bro, that shit would be scary. But, yeah, like, man. But, like, but like in baseball, if, if, if you're telling me the guy's going to hit a 500 foot home run and it's going to save the ratings for baseball, what are these guys doing? Legalize that shit. Also, like if it's legal for everyone, then if you're the clean guy arguing, it's not fair. Just take the shit, man. Like, well, I don't understand it. I, I really just don't. I don't understand the argument. I don't understand why we don't let these guys do it. I, we watch for their, their entertainment. They entertain us. Yeah. Like, why does it matter? Why do, why do you care? Because like, if it was just take steroids and then you're a great baseball player. Well, Arnold Schwarzenegger would be the best baseball player ever, right? He'd be the best football player ever. Same with Stallone. Same with all these actors, Chris Evans, all these dudes that are taking steroids to get ready for roles. That's not cheating in acting. They're not great athletes. You still got to be a fucking great baseball player and have a great eye for the plate and walk as many times as Bond did. Bonds did and get as many hits and steal as many bases. You still have to be really good at the sport. It's just helping your strength and recovery. But all they're doing all day is running and lifting and training. So helping their strength and recovery isn't necessarily a bad thing. I don't understand it. I really don't. But here we are, dog. <laughs> yeah, it probably goes back to the Puritan values of america but that'll be for a different pod man yeah man we'll we'll really dive into the the puritan values of america next (laughs) or how about in two months when we don't have any football left that'll be fun i'm thinking of some topics we'll have some good episodes man i'm looking forward to it i am too and we might not have baseball so it might just be basketball um and that other sport what's it oh hockey yeah that one (laughs) we might just have those two but uh Thanks for listening, guys. This one ran long. My apologies. I went on a little rant there, but uh, great weekend of football. Like we said, Rams, Bengals, Super Bowl. We'll have a full preview for you on Super Bowl week. We'll be back later this week to wrap up, wrap up this week in sports, maybe talk a little basketball. Uh, who knows? But uh, make sure you check out on Wednesday we will be launching our site, www.goodsoup.blog. All of our articles will be housed there. All of our podcasts will be housed there. Our podcasts are also going to be housed over on Spotify. So go there, check it out. This is the Victory Formation podcast. We have the Good Soup podcast with myself, Matt Connolly, Ali McBride, and Dan Kildary. Um, We're really excited about this launch. I think we got a lot of really cool content coming. I think you guys are going to dig it. But uh. Like I said, it's been the Victory Formation podcast with me, Eric Campbell. House Money Houston, baby. Let's go, Savages. Let's uh, let's have a good rest of the week and uh, get geared up for the Pro Bowl, guys. Oh, All right. Shoot, shoot me in the face. <laughs>
shot that fella cause he didn't make his payments Fuck with me, I keep a rocket launcher in my basement That's my purse, I don't know you If you running up then I pull out this 32 Bitchy's big, Bobby spitting heat in the stew I got rats on rats and you ain't got a clue God damn it Bobby Shut the fuck up when I'm on the block, bitch, I fucking shit Oh man, goddamn Bitch, I'm pulling out, painting clouds on my walls Bout to go kick my dad in the balls Made this money from propane, bitch I feel like Pablo Escobar, but I don't sell cocaine, bitch Shot that fella cause he didn't make his payments Fuck with me, I keep a rocket launcher in my basement Made this money from propane, bitch I feel like Pablo Escobar, but I don't suck cocaine, bitch Shot that fella cause he didn't make his payments Fuck with me, I keep a rocket launcher in my basement Oh man, goddamn Bobby, I know you were capping the whole time, boy I know you get no bitches and no hoes and no paper, no bands, boy All you do is sit in the fucking basement all day and play World of Warcraft with your bitch ass Jerking off to hentai all day with your ugly ass, man Bobby, you need to go get a fucking job or something, man I'm about to kick you out of the house